Well, what's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great. Hope you're having an awesome weekend. For those of you that are new here to Grace Church or watching online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name's Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and I just am honored to be able to do what I do in pastoring this amazing church and this incredible community in this area. And so we love it. We love what God is doing in us and through our church and the community and, and sharing the radical love of Jesus. And so we're so glad that you're with us worshiping. Uh, this is a, a fantastic opportunity for you because we have just started a brand new series on the book of James. We started it last week talking about trials and temptations. I'll tell you what, it got a little bit dicey. I ain't gonna lie, like it was challenging, you know, to read some of this stuff. You're going, wow. But we talked about the reality that God is the one who puts us through trials to mature us, and the devil's actually the one that brings temptations in front of us to destroy us. And so today, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. We're actually going to wrap up chapter one in James. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up there. If you have a paper Bible, if you have your, your Bible app, go ahead and open that up. We'll be in uh, the, the second half of the, the first chapter of James. But to understand James and who he is and his letter and, and him as a man, as a person, you know, he was overseeing a significant part of the church during the the early church. He was the half-brother of Jesus, but he actually didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior until after Jesus had risen from the dead. So even though he grew up with him and had played dinosaurs with him and trucks and played in the sandbox with him, you know, and Jesus probably picked on James because Jesus was the oldest in the house, uh, you know, but it didn't matter. Like James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the tomb was empty, which is incredible to think about uh, just the magnitude of that. So this week, you know, we're going to be diving into that, the, the aspect, the, the subtopic of listening and doing. So last week was t trials and temptations. Now it's James is going a little bit deeper, and he goes, he goes okay, I've, I've taught you those things. Now you understand that. Now that you're hearing, now the result is doing. And so I don't know about you, but I, I, I've read this you know, several times in preparation for this, and, and I, like, I'm going to pray for you because we're going to get in. It's going to be challenging, uh, no doubt. So let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. So God, we want to honor you. And who you are, Father, thank you so much that you speak to us through your word, through your scripture, Lord, that it comes alive. And Father, right now, we put ourselves in front of you. Lord, we apologize for the things that we've done. We ask that you would bring forgiveness in our heart, that we might be pure and holy before you, Lord. Then we place ourselves on the altar, that we might be like living sacrifices, like it talks about in your word, that, that we would be a sacrifice as worthy unto you, a fragrant offering, Lord, that you would communicate to us, that you would receive our worship. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just resound in our mind and our hearts and in this place. And through your scripture, in Jesus' name, amen. So when you understand listening and doing, uh, it's very simple, right? It's, it's hearing what God is communicating and then as a result, walking in obedience in our life. Uh, but the, the thing about that we have to start with when you talk about listening, how do you hear from God? Because I talk to people all the time, and they're going, how do you hear? How do you, like, how does God speak to you? And Because in my life, like, I'll talk to people, and I'm like, man, I just really feel like God is, is speaking this to me. And so they'll go, how? Like, is, is it out loud? Like, what's the deal? And so I, the, the way God speaks to me most is through his word, uh, is through his scripture. And so that's the easiest way to understand that, just the reality. So when we dive into James 1, I believe that God is going to speak to you in this service because as we dive, dive into it, I, like one of the things that, that in, the, in the overarching perspective of this passage that we're going to look at, five different times you will see that God is communicating through James in this letter, talking about his power in his word. So five different times in just nine verses, you'll see he uses different language, but, but he's saying, hey, don't be misled. 
you need to walk in obedience. Don't be deceived because the power of my word is what I'm going to speak and communicate to you. So it is vitally important for us as Christ followers to be in the Bible. Uh, We need to be constantly looking at it, reading it, allowing it to be in our lives. Because when we face temptations and trials, what are we going to lean on? Like we need God's word. So the Bible is something for us to help us, to encourage us. And and it's actually an offensive weapon for us to to go and, and, and face the enemy with. Because the reality is when you, when you understand the Bible itself, when you look at our culture and even globally, the Bible has constantly been under attack and scrutinized. And so why is that? I, I believe it's because the devil wants to discredit Scripture anytime, all the time, every time. He doesn't want you and I to read it. I mean, even, even in, in Genesis chapter 3, when you have the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden, like everything's perfect, and when the serpent comes in, the first thing he begins to question is, did God really tell you that? He wants to bring deceit. He wants to bring deception. And so we need it. Like, we need God's word. We need to stand upon it and stand firm. And, and like, I, I want to speak to the younger generation. You know, right now, I, I just, I feel like a lot of the younger generation, you don't think that you need the Bible, like, you don't think that you need scripture anymore. It's like, it, you, think it, you think it's irrelevant or not important, and you're trying to live without it. And I'll tell you what, like, I, for me, just I, I, I want to, like, grab you around and give you a big hug and give you a bear hug and squeeze you because and, 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 I love you, and I, and I want to share my faith with you, and I, I need you to understand, you know, that this is the reality. This is God's word, God's text that he has communicated to us, and it stands firm. It's, it stood the test of time for thousands upon thousands of years. And so for me, for those of us that would consider ourselves more mature Christians, or you've been a Christian for a little while, you know, we need to be praying. We need to be reading. We need to, we need to be sharing our faith. We need to model what it tells us. And so that's not just the listening, but it's the doing, because one of my prayers is that, you know, with the younger generation, if those that are un- uncertain of God in their life or, or Scripture, my prayer is that we, as the body of Christ, could be the ones that love on them so much and that they see Christ in us and they understand that what we're founded upon, that their lives might change. Because let's be honest, every single one of us at some point in time, time in our life, we were searching, weren't we? We're searching for answers. Whether, whether we're going through tragedy or an accident or a struggle or we're looking for wisdom or making decisions, we're uncertain about our life or the future. We, we look at you know, the, the, what happens after I pass. You know, wh- whatever it is, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and so we're searching for answers and not finding them. And the Holy Spirit begins this work inside of us. And that's amazing because we felt hopeless, we felt alone. And we get to this place where we understand that Jesus truly is the answer. Uh, and and there's, there's just so much liberty in that. And so I want to like, encourage you, like if you consider yourself a Christ follower, if you're part of Grace Church, then, then we have got to be showing the radical love of Jesus to other people. And so I just, I want to challenge you. You know, I, I want to challenge you big time to be looking for opportunities, not only to show your love and share and wear love out like we talk about, but also to share it with your words. Uh, because I shared this last week, but it, it's worth repeating. I feel like in this season, unfortunately, the church has become a little silent. 
Uh, and, and I feel like we need to, with our actions and our words, be communicating the magnitude of what, of what happened in our lives. How did God change your life? That's all you've got to share. And then it's, it's obvious in your life. So you just tell your story. You just share your heart with other people. And so James, in this letter, he's saying very, very bluntly and very directly, this is a very practical text, where he's saying, hey, how are you going to live? How are you going to live your life? Now that you say, I've got Jesus, what's coming afterward? Are you going to follow the world in your own way, or are you going to follow the word and the Lord's way? And there is no both. There's not an and. It's one or the other. And the way that we know that is through his word. And in Psalm 119, verse 81, the psalmist writes this. He goes, I am worn out. I love the honesty in that language because, man, there are times when we're worn out where we go, I'm worn out. I'm worn out waiting for you to show up, God, but, but I have my hope in your word. And man, when you talk about scripture and the power of it, when we're going through trials and temptations, it's like, God, I've got to have you. And I don't know if you've ever read Psalm 119. It's, it's actually the longest you know, chapter in, in all of scripture. And the whole thing is about, about the Bible. Like the, all of it is about scripture. And so we've got to understand that and recognize it. And even, you know, even Jesus taught about the importance of, being, of standing on the, the firm foundation of God's word. He says in Matthew 7, 24, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, that's the listening and doing. So and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. And I don't know about you, but I know I've been in storms in life. And man, there are storms that we all face. You know, maybe you're a single parent. I mean, gosh, you talk about single parenting is hard. It's challenging. You know, I mean, how do you do it? How do you make it work? And, and, and school's coming to a close. If you have school-age children, what do you do during the summer? You know, when you're a single parent, like, it, like to make that work. Is such a challenge, isn't it? And so wh wh where's your source? Where's your foundation? Where's your bedrock that, that you're looking to for the answer? Maybe right now you're having vehicle problems. I, I, know, I know sometimes we got vehicle issues. You know, you buy a used vehicle, this breaks, that breaks, it's leaking stuff, and you're going, I don't know where that's coming from. That does not look good. And it's kind of, you know, acting funny, it stalls, whatever it is, and you're going, like, wh where's the answer? What's the solution? You know, and I know the mechanic is, but man, when you talk about problems... And examples of problems that we have in our life, what are you looking to for a solution? And so to me, it's we're standing on God's word. And speaking personally, anytime I'm going through a storm, you know, Jesus used the language of the storm. Anytime I'm going through a storm, I'll literally ask myself, I, I, I'll do a self-evaluation. I'll say, okay, right now I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a challenge, it's a struggle. How is my devotional life? And I'll, I'll, I'll look at myself very transparently. You know, you look in the mirror like, hey, what about me? Am I listening? Am I doing? Am I looking into God's word? Am I trusting in him, in who he is? And so I just would encourage you right now, if you're facing a challenge or a storm, how is your devotional life? So to me, devotional life is, is reading scripture and praying and living this, you know, this Christ life like uh, Christ life, <laughs> Christ life life out. 
You know what I mean. So anyways, <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to do is I, I'm big into visual aids. And so I brought three visual aids, and they all are almost one in the same. And so I love my Bible. Um, just so you know, I brought three of my Bibles up here. And so I love them. I absolutely, I enjoy reading God's Word. And, and there will be times, like, I'll read, I'll read some prophets or some Old Testament, and, and I'll get to the end, I'll be like, man, I just need some Jesus. And I go back to the Gospels, and I read about Jesus, and, and, and I'll, I'll read different letters or epistles in the New Testament, and I'll be like, man, I just need some Jesus. I go back to the Gospels. I get, that's, I, I'll say that all the time, like, multiple times throughout the year, I'll be like, I just need some Jesus. And, and so I, but I love it. I love reading Scripture. It's powerful to me. It's so significant. I can't tell you how many times that I've been in a, in a struggle, and I'll read something, I'll be like, oh, oh, it, it's that easy, it's that obvious, or that's exactly what I need right now in this moment. And so the reason I brought these up, I wanted to share a little bit of a personal story, if I may. So um, the, these Bibles are actually for my sons. Uh, and so I wanted to tell you just a quick little story. So this is my first Bible. Uh, I, you know, I'm so thankful to my family. We, we, I was actually born into a Catholic family. You know, my parents went to Catholic church, and we went to mass and stuff. And, and then when I was right around like five-ish years old, uh, my, my, my family tr- switched over to a non-denominational type church. Just wanted something more for family. I'm the third of six kids, so we wanted something for kids, for family. And, and there was kind of this spiritual renewal happening in my parents. And my parents began chasing after God in a very passionate way. So we started going to, you know, more non-denominational type church. So when I was 12 uh, is when, you know, I got my first Bible. And so you, you can see, like, I, I, have, I have tape on it because uh, it's come apart. If I, like, this back end literally would fall out uh, if, if I opened it up too much. But I want to share this front with you. So this says, Aaron J. Olinsky's Bible, don't touch it. <laughs> don't touch it. It has God's anointing. And I even spelled anointing wrong when I was little. It's awesome. But one of the things I wrote in here is, this is a, a passage of scripture. You can look this up on your own. But it says, sin will keep me from this book, but this book will keep me from sin. I learned that at a, at a young age. So this is my first Bible that I look forward to handing to my, my sons one day. Um, this is my, my second favorite Bible, okay? Um, Nicole stole this one, though, just so you know. Uh, this is the, the NLT Life Application Study Bible. Homeboy is thick, and it is juicy. Boy, it is good, like a nice steak. Man, this one's got some word in it, and Nicole snatched it from me, and she doesn't give it back. Like, now she writes in it, and, and like, I, I, as I read, I write, I underline, I write in the margins, and, and so I just, I wanted things that, that the Lord is speaking to me that I can hand off to my sons, and right now I'm in this bad boy. This one is legit. So this is my John Maxwell Leadership Study Bible. Uh, for, for all the leaders in the house, like, you have got to get one of these. I'll buy it for you if you don't have the money. This is just jam-packed full of leadership stuff and just things that help me in my word. And so these, these are my gifts. Like, if I could think of any gift to give to my sons, this would be the greatest gift. And so let me ask you, like, let me pastor you for a moment. And if you're young enough, like, let me just kind of be a father over you in this moment. Right, So what is your attitude towards Scripture regarding the Word of God? And we're going to use the text in James to digest this and allow the Lord to speak to us in it. So the first point I want to share with you is I feel like one of our attitudes needs to be that we need to be grateful to receive the truth that saves me. 
Okay, so we're going to start in verse 16 in James. It says, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heavens. He, is never, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. What that means is God is not shady. You and I have met some shady people before. God is not shady. Okay, so he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. And so, like, God and the Bible, it doesn't restrict our life. A lot of times people look at it and say, it, it gives me all the things that I can't do. Like, it tells me all the stuff that, that I shouldn't do, and it's no fun. Like, I just want to have fun. So Christianity should not ruin your life. You should, that should not be your perspective. In fact, it could be the best part of your life. Because when you look at the transformation that takes place, if you look at your life prior, it probably wasn't great and amazing and full of hope. You probably had some shame and some guilt and some doubt. When we come to know Christ and recognize what he did on the cross and rose from the grave, our life changes and then our serving the Lord comes as a result. And so the best part is worshiping not out of obligation, not because I have to or I'm supposed to, but because I get to. And I want to. And so the Bible leads us to Jesus. And so you're going to read scripture. You're going to look in and, and read different things. And you're going to feel encouraged. There's times you're going to read something and you're like, yes, that's awesome. And I needed that. That's amazing. And then there's going to be times when you feel convicted. You'll read something. You go, man, that's so challenging. I'm not that yet, right? So we just, if we admit that. And so it's affirming and encouraging all wrapped up in one, but it's leading us to this incredible spiritual transformation that the Lord has for us. Let me just share an, an example of that with you, because in, in scripture, there's this, there's this understanding in language. It's called first fruits. Uh, first fruits is something that you and I don't use very often in our, in our modern American language. It's something, it's, it's a biblical you know, text and understanding, but it's spoke of often. And, and the reason often it's talked about in scripture is regarding giving. It's regarding tithing. So what would happen is the farmer uh, would have a crop. And so the first and the best, the first fruits of the crop, the first 10% would be, take, would be received in the harvest and given as worship to the temple, in, in, to God, uh, you know, and offered to him. And so the reason they understood this and the magnitude of it is because when you're a farmer, you know God made the seed. God is the one who makes the seed. God's the one who made the soil that that seed goes into. God's the one that made the water that, that is on that seed and, and that plant. God's the one that makes the tree or the shrub. God's the one that makes the fruit that grows on it. Because that farmer looks at that fruit and during the harvest time and goes, I didn't do anything. I did absolutely nothing. Maybe pulled a few weeds, right? I get it. Maybe grab a bucket of water from, from the canal or you know, your hose. Or, I get it. But the water, the seed, the soil, God's the one that makes that fruit grow. And so for a farmer to say, God, you're the one that did all this and all you're asking is for the first and the best, no problem. Thank you so much because I really didn't do much in this whole scenario. But we don't do that sometimes, do we? When we look at our finances, our resources, and, and why? Because we feel like we have to uh, or, or we're supposed to or it's obligation. And, and, and here's what I want to tell you. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. 
What's your attitude regarding that? It can be a want to. It can be an act of worship. God, you're so generous towards me. Thank you so much for my teaching job, my job at the police officer, you know, the, the office, at, to be a police officer, the, you know, to, to be a college professor, to be an engineer. Like, thank you for allowing me to do that. And so now I get to honor you back. And so we just, we've got to realize that it literally is God is the one who saves us. And so I'll gladly give to you. In fact, I want to give you all of me, every single part of me and all that I am. And so if you're here, you know, in the auditorium or you're watching online and you're so thankful that Jesus died for you and laid his life down and rose for you, if you could do me a favor and just give him some honor and clap for him and praise him for who he is, because to me that's amazing. That's wonderful. I'm so thankful for that. And so we've got to receive that with a grateful heart. The second thing that we get to do is we get to humbly accept the truth that confronts me. Confront, confrontation is no fun. So here, here you go. I hope you're ready. James is going to get after this. He says, hey, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Huh. I could stop right there, couldn't I? And I, like I could pray, and this service would be done, and all of us would get enough out of that right there. Uh, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Man, I'll tell you what. When it says, get rid of all the filth and the evil, that's hard. Like, I don't know about you, but I read this and I'm going, oh, man, I've got so much longer to go. Like, Lord, would you continue to do this work inside of me? Because none of us do that. None of us have eradicated all the evil and the filth and the sin in our lives. And so go ahead and tell the person next to you, I don't do that. I don't do that. Like, we don't do this. Like, we're reading this. This is, con this is confronting us. I don't do that. And we know we should because people get angry so easily. People get so angry. I mean, come on, let's be honest. If you look at your life right now, if you're married, you know, do you get mad at your spouse sometimes? Do you get upset at what they say or they do? Or you think they're doing something to get back at you? Do you get angry and frustrated? Like, are you throwing, you know, just stuff around the kitchen? Are you, you kicking things? Like, what, what, how does your anger come out? Maybe you're, maybe you're a single person. Maybe you're, you're a college student. You have a roommate. I mean, how many times have we been angry at our roommates? Like, come on, bro. Like, it ain't that hard. Don't eat my food in the, in the fridge. Like, it ain't that hard. My name's on it. Your side, my side. Stay off. You know, it's like getting mad at your roommate or one of your friends, you get upset. Like, how are you working that out in your relationship? Or maybe, gosh, if you own a company or you're, you're a customer, how angry do you get when it's poor customer service and you're demanding what you feel like you deserve? I want to tell you a, a driving story uh, because people get angry when they're driving. It's a real thing. Um, so just recently... Uh, just recently, I, Nicole and I were driving home, and I was telling a story. 
uh, to her. And I don't know if you've picked up on this already. I'm an animated speaker. I talk with my hands. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm telling Nicole's story, and I am into it. I'm like doing this, right? And, and, just, and all of a sudden, the guy in front of me thought I was angry at him, and I'm telling Nicole's story. And I'll tell you what, if you've driven and you think somebody's angry at you, they tell you that they're angry. If you tell somebody while you're driving that you're angry at them, what do you do? Like, so this gentleman is telling me that he's angry at me because I'm throwing him. I'm just telling a story. And homeboy is mad at me. I'm going, bro, like, I wasn't even talking to you, you know, that kind of thing. But people are angry. And I, and I, I know I get upset as well, you know, just driving in all different ways. But, and so when you read this text, it, it, it's confronting, isn't it? It's challenging. And so I would say, like, we have a decision that we need to make in our lives. And so James is challenging us. He's saying you need to get rid of all the evil. And so I want to share with you that we need to humbly admit that and accept that in our life. And here's why. You and I don't get to determine what's right and wrong. I know we want to, and you probably want to. I said that statement right there, and you're like, whoa, what, what, what does he mean by that? Here's the deal. Here's why I say that. People try and pick and choose what they agree with in the Bible all the time. And maybe you've done this. Maybe you're like, hey, I don't like that verse. Like, I'm not going to look at that one. And so here's the deal. God is God, and that's what makes him God. And so God is the one who determines right from wrong. And James is saying, you better accept that. You better not think that you get to determine right from wrong. And so he's saying, James is using such strong language in this that he's not saying you not only should accept it, but you should welcome it in. And here's what I want to share with you. If you are not yet a Christian and you're here, or you're watching online, we're so glad that you're with us. But here's where this language that James is talking about. It's not only accept, but it's to welcome it in. And so let's say somebody shows up at your front door. You know, and they knock or they ring the doorbell or you got one of them cool little cameras and you knew they were coming before they walked up. Like, you know, the, 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 and, and so they're there, they ring, and, and, and they're a stranger. They come to your door. And you say, hey, you know what? What's going on? How are you doing? Come on in. A stranger. And all of you right now are going, I would never do that. Like, are you kidding me? That, back in the day, that was normal, wasn't it? You know, and, and so nowadays, we don't feel so safe. But, but understand the text, what James is saying. Not only accept, but welcome it in. So literally, if you don't know the Lord yet, it's like him knocking on your door and you opening up the door and saying, I, know it all, I not only accept because I know you changed my life, but I'm welcoming you in. Like, come on in. Let's go in the kitchen. Let's sit, at, sit down at the kitchen table. Let's have a conversation. Not simply just, oh, wow, that's nice. It's, no, 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 you're going to come into my life in full capacity, even welcoming it in as a stranger. Let me cross-reference this for you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, that you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas, but you, there's the word, accepted, a welcome in. You welcomed what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. And so it's an attitude. What is your attitude 
when the Holy Spirit comes knocking on the door of your heart? What's your attitude towards him when he brings out this extremely challenging passage in James and says, hey, you need to rid yourself of all these things. Because when you talk about attitudes, uh, a, a very easy way to, to kind of correlate this and make it all line up is, is in parenting. You know, we have three sons and we love our sons so much, but as a parent, you can tell when your child is receptive to instruction or not. Like, you know, you can tell by their face. You can tell if you got a little girl and she's three and she does one of those things, watch out. Like, I mean, oh my goodness, Lord, I had three boys. And for those of you that girls, like, God bless you. Like, some of them, they get like this and they, they got it going. And so, but you can tell. Like, you can tell. Like, it, it reflects in their countenance. And it starts in their heart, doesn't it? You're seeing the outward reflection and the, and the demeanor and, and the attitude. And you're going, oh, you guys. It starts in their heart. And you and I, we are children of the Lord. And it starts in our heart as well. And so the way that you know that a person has truly become a Christ follower is that when their heart is changed and they don't mind doing things that Jesus tells them to do. Because their heart is different, it reflects in their attitude, and so now it comes out in the way that we live. And so one of the words we use here at Grace Church is we talk about spiritual transformation. When you are willing to accept it in your heart, and it comes out in your life, and you're, you're humbly like moving forward, there's spiritual transformation that takes place. So we humbly accept the word of the truth in our lives. The third thing I want to share with you is we need to intently embrace the truth that guides me. Okay, and this is continuing in verse 22. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Not just knowing it, but doing it. That's extremely important. This is where James says, hey, there's a great aspect of listening and hearing. And you and I, if, we, if we've been following the Lord for a little while, we have some knowledge. We have some understanding in our life. Uh, it, it is our, our lives reflecting that? Because we, we get the mirror concept. If I were to hold up a mirror, you know, you look into it, right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but, you know, I think everything in my life and everything on my exterior looks fine until when? Until I look in a mirror, Right? Let me tell you a quick story. There was one time recently where Nicole and I, we were with some friends, we were at a restaurant. And, and, and I'm still like, I'm 46, but sometimes I still struggle with puberty, and so I get pimples on my chin. And so I got this pimple, nice white one. And I'm, I'm there, I'm like at the restaurant, you know, and, and I walk into the restroom and look in the mirror, and I'm like, what? Like, Nicole didn't even say anything. Like, right there, obvious. Like, come on, honey, like, you're supposed to help me out here. Like, not just, not, and, uh, man, and, and something like that with something in your teeth or your hair. You're going, are you serious? 
Nobody told me. Like, are you kidding me? And so we don't know that something's wrong with our lives until we look in a mirror. And so James is saying, here's your mirror. Hold this up. Don't just look at it, but understand what's going on. And so we have a decision to make. Are we going to follow Jesus or not? And so let me, let me just encourage you with something. So I, I love technology. I mean, I, I use technology all the time. We use technology here in the church. But if you don't have a paper Bible, you need a paper Bible. You need like the, to open it up and touch the pages and allow them to speak to you. I love reading my Bible app. I do it all the time. But you need a paper Bible. Well, I would strongly encourage you to get... Well, this one too. So like these guys are amazing, right? So this Life Application Study Bible is gold. It's incredible uh, to, to read and to, to, to and, and so if you're not yet soaping, you know, here at Grace Church, we talk about soaping so you can go on our website and click soaping. And so it's a Bible study method that you need to have in your life. So read it, study it, meditate on God's word, but don't just read it. That's what James is saying. There's listening and doing. Let the Bible be like a mirror for you in your life. And so this is, I hope you're getting this. I hope you're understanding like our heart and you see just our desire in this. And so there's this last piece, this last verse that James uses in this text, in James 1.27. And it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I got to break this one down a little bit. So read this. If, if, if just leave this up on the screen for just a moment. So right, like it's, it uses the word religion, but we know like it's, it's more about relationship. And so don't get caught up in that. But so we want to be connected with the Father. And so he's saying what this means is you need to be a person of justice. Like in our country right now, over the last year or so, like justice has been a big, you know, cry and shout and like, yes, social justice. And I am absolutely for the marginalized, the hurting, the oppressed, widows, orphans, James lists, you know, others that are, that are struggling in their life in whatever particular way. You and I as Christ followers, we're called to reach them with his love and bring solutions in their life. Sometimes it's resources, no doubt. That's justice. And James also says, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And so what this means is, when you're a Christ follower, that this is righteousness, right? So I want to live a right life. I'm choosing to follow after the Lord. He brings it in my life. So we're intently following after the biblical principles that God gives to us. And I want you to clue in on one key word. It's the word and. It's and. There's not one without the other. Because there are people that are big on social justice, and I love that. That's amazing. They help people, but they're not living moral lives. There's no and. Because then when you have up the other side, and this is where you and I as the church, we get a little bit self-righteous. We're like, oh, look at me and how I live. And then what happens is we get, we get judgmental. We get critical and skeptical we begin to lack compassion on those that are marginalized, that need justice. And what James is doing, what, you know, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is joining justice 
and righteousness together. That's the beauty of this text. That's incredible. I hope that that's just something that just rings true in your life and your heart. So this is listening and doing. This is listening. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to your word, and I'm going to do as a result. And it comes out in the fruit in our life. And I hope this just kind of resonates in you and, and that the Lord is speaking to you in it because, man, it's challenging. I read this, and I'm going, whew, man, there's some strong language in this text. And I want to speak specifically to a couple of different groups of people. One, if, you're, if, you're, if you feel like you've been following after the Lord for a little while, but there's no justice or fruit in your life, that like ministry towards others, serving others, you know, loving and encouraging others, having compassion on those in our community, then I want to, like, we're going to, I'm going to pray for you. And then if there's those of you that, you know, you look at your life and you go, oh, like I know I'm following after God, but just that, that part about all the evil and the filth, man, I felt so convicted in that. We're going to pray into that. But there's another group of you that I, I want to speak to first. And it's those of you that are not yet following the Lord. And so I know there might be some of you here in the auditorium or watching online where you go, hey, you know that I, I've been really curious, you know, about church and about Jesus. And, and in my life, I, I've tried all these different things and none of them are working. And when I share this, you know, this text and the magnitude of what Jesus did for you because he loves you, he literally laid his life down and died and rose again, showed his power over sin and death. Why? Why would he do that? It's because he loves us and he wants us to be connected with him. And so he died so that we could be saved, so that we could be rescued. And man, that's amazing. You know, I've made that decision in my life to follow after Jesus and I love it. And so if you are not yet following Christ, this is your opportunity uh, where what happens is we admit that we're needy. You know, James talked about that in verse 27. He said, hey, those that are the widows and the orphans. And so he's talking about people that are in need. So what the Lord is saying to you right now is you've got to admit that you're needy. That's hard for us to do, isn't it? Where we've got to look at God and say, God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I've tried everything and it's not working. And then what happens is in your acknowledging your need for a savior, this spiritual transformation takes place. The Holy Spirit comes in and we begin this new life in him. And so then he enables us to have righteousness. And the only way that we get that is when we take that first step and to say that we need Jesus in our life. And so for everybody here in the auditorium, if you guys could do me a favor, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. Like we're going to enter into just a time of prayer and acknowledging the Lord. If you're watching online, you know, just I, I need you to look at your life right now. And so if you're one of those people where you go, hey, I, I, like I know that I need Jesus. I'm desperate for him. I know that I need to lay my life at his feet and allow him to come in. And I want to follow after him. For some of you, this may be the first time. For others of you, this may be more like what, what we sometimes call a rededication. Uh, so if, if that's you here in the auditorium, if you'd do me a favor, just go ahead and slip your hand up. No, everybody's eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. Just go ahead and stick your hand up. Just say, yeah, that's me. Like, dude, you got me. I need Jesus. It's a big deal. Yeah, thank you so much. I see your hands. It's real. What the Lord's doing right now is real and significant. 
in your life. Or maybe you're watching online and you know that's you. Like, you can raise the hand emoji. Like, how can you interact right now just to say, I need you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And, and those of you that had your hands up, like, just pray along with me to yourself because God sees our heart. That's the beauty of him and the strength of who he is. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you pray something. Just, just say to the Lord, say, God, I know I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. Lord, would you come into my life? Would you change me? Jesus, I, I fully acknowledge who you are. You're God's son, and I know it now. And I want to give my life over to you. And I want to honor you, and I want to bless you, and I want to serve you. Would you please forgive me for all the things I've ever done? Would you make me whole and give me a fresh start? I want to follow you. Father, I, I also want to pray just for all of us in the house and online right now, Lord, the ones we're struggling with walking in obedience, or we're struggling with diving into your word, we're struggling with being led by your spirit, Lord, we're struggling with responding when people have a need. God, would you move in our lives? Would you forgive us? Would you bring repentance and cleansing? Because we need you. We're desperate for you. For, Father, I pray just an incredible anointing that you would fall on us, that we would have both compassion and righteousness, that you would join them together in our life, that we might live for you, that you would receive all glory and honor and praise in our life, that we would live this out for you like never before. Empower us through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.